welcome to Inside and Beyond podcast, where we continue to explore the topics of consciousness, psychology, and the true capabilities of the human mind. I'm your host, Natalia Fomichenko. Today with me is a friend of mine, Tom Galea. He is a CEO and founder of Luminate Growth. It is an amazing product that I have been an avid user myself. Um, it is a, an application that uses light to help users to explore their subconscious mind. But uh, I would like you, Tom. Hi, Tom. First of Hi. all, welcome to the show. I'm super happy that you were able to join. Hi. Yeah, super excited to be here too. Perfect. So yes, uh, would you like to explain yourself to our listeners what Luminate is all about? Because I've been trying to to do that for my friends and I always find myself lacking words. So, Of course, I'll do my best yours. anyway. Um, so we set about trying to find a way to give people easy access to their subconscious minds. And the way that we ended up doing this was using the flashlight on the back of the phone. So it flickers at specific frequencies which then synchronizes your brain waves. This then allows us to guide the user into a sort of state somewhere between deep meditation and psychedelics. Um, the experience is done with their eyes closed and the flashlight fairly close to their eyes. And during it, people mm -hmm. experience reduction in sense of ego, reduction in sense of time, some of the things that we associate with psychedelic-like experiences, and also mm -hmm. most notably quite a typically a colorful kaleidoscope of colors, um, which is constantly shifting and moving around throughout yeah. their experience. Yeah, that's definitely what I have experienced myself. It's almost like you see multiple colors and shapes and you almost sometimes can feel that an emotion that you're feeling has certain color or shape. So it's it's very interesting experience. But the question is, why do we need those experiences? I mean, besides the fact that it's definitely fun. Yeah. So originally when me and Jay, my co-founder, set out to try and create Luminate, we weren't specifically looking at the idea of tapping into your subconscious. We were instead focused far more on trying to guide people towards living more fulfilling lives. And this took mm -hmm. us on a very long winding journey with loads of research of different things through the ages, um, bringing us to this idea that, that this sense of fulfillment is driven from successive personal personal growth cycles. So each time gaining a new perspective, from this new perspective, stepping outside of your comfort zone and growing into an area that you weren't previously feeling, that you didn't feel like you were capable of, this continually progresses you towards your sort of ideal future state and gives you this sense of fulfillment. From there, we mm -hmm. started mapping out like, okay, great. So we want to give people this shift in perspectives, but how do we want to go about doing this? And we started interviewing loads of people about turning points in their lives, trying to understand which, how people are reaching these different points. And the way, and we mapped out, I think about 18 different types of, of inspiration or ways to gain a new perspective, but one which fascinated us on a personal level and we also thought the world really needed was this easy access to their subconscious and this ability to enter an altered state of consciousness in which they could gain mm -hmm. this perspective and enter these personal growth cycles and move towards fulfillment. So hopefully that journey starts to explain a little bit as to why we think it's important to do this. Yeah, for sure. It's super interesting. I'm curious though, how does 
light work exactly so that it promotes this sense of fulfillment or this desire to grow? Yeah, so I think it really comes down to this but light's ability to elicit this altered state of consciousness. So I'll start with that part and then perhaps talk about how that altered state of consciousness yeah. then enables this sense of fulfillment. Um, so on the altered state of consciousness itself, as the flashlight flickers, uh, it's doing this really quite fast, um, normally yeah, around 10 times a second or higher or lower around that sort of area. And as it's flickering, um, each time it flashes, the neurons in your brain sort of light up in response to it as they see this stimulus. And bit by bit, this sort of spreads out through the brain. And we saw this really quite strongly within our early EEG studies, which we ran. And by guiding the brain into this state, it's, we're able to yeah, steer people into this altered state of consciousness. Um, there's some really interesting research going on at the moment in Berlin, which looks at, to not only look at this through an, e an EEG lens, but also run some of the first fMRI studies in this space, uh, which will hopefully mm. help us understand a little bit more about the role of the default mode network within this as well. Um, mm -hmm. But our understanding or our assumption anyway, is that this communication similar to with psychedelics plays an important role and it's this sort of quietening of that part of the brain which results in a sort of letting go of that sense of ego time and bringing you into that present moment that enables you to yep. then gain a new perspective on the things that are going on so you might go into an experience thinking about something that's happening in your life perhaps a problem perhaps an ambition and in your normal waking day consciousness, you find yourself going through the same loops or the same repetitive patterns thinking about this. By shifting yeah. your state of consciousness temporarily, it allows you to look in on it from a slightly different perspective or a slightly shifted viewpoint. And just that act of shifting that perspective to in a slightly different direction can be all you need to suddenly reveal the next piece of that puzzle and start moving forwards and start progressing those yeah. four. Yeah, and um, I, I want to add a little bit more details into the explanation of default mode network because this is one of the most fascinating things in the brain that I personally um, am interested in. And from the research that I've done, I know that this this is a part of the brain that acts almost like a filter of everything that comes into your sensory organs, like the, your visual information, your auditory information. And then this part of the brain basically defines what it is that you're seeing, what it is that you're hearing. Uh, the same goes with memory. So everything that you've accumulated, all the information about yourself that makes you, you also is accumulated in this part of the brain. So now when we alter the state of consciousness, like uh, with Luminate or with psychedelics, this particular area of the brain, default mode network, it quietens and therefore the feeling of sort of what makes you, you, somehow dissolves and that's what they call ego dissolution and same goes for the sensory information that you perceive because now you don't have this filter so that's why sometimes you can hear colors or you can see sounds because information comes in unfiltered and that helps you to to really experience it differently and as you said gain new perspectives on different thoughts and 
feelings or emotions that you might have been experiencing before entering this state. Yeah, and I think... Uh, am, I co- am I correct? You, you are indeed. I think a really nice <laughs> way that Michael Pollan puts it actually is um, by quieting the default mode network, you're firing the conductor and letting the orchestra play, which I think is a really yeah. poetic way of seeing it. And I think it's worth stressing on that point as well. But actually, most of the time, having a conductor to lead an orchestra is a very useful thing. It keeps it organized yeah. and keeps things working smoothly. And that is also the role that our default mode network often plays. But yeah. there is also a beauty in shaking that up sometimes and removing mm-hmm. that conductor and seeing what emerges from the sort of chaos that comes from it. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. yeah, I would far from argue that the default mode network sort of slows our progress in in everyday life in fact it's very needed and it's evolved there for a reason Mm -hmm. but sometimes quieting that down for a short period of time does just give that different perspective yeah that's true it's almost like resetting your computer yeah (laughs) just uh, a little bit and um if it sort of works the same way as psychedelics, I guess, uh, working with light is much more accessible and less scaring, especially for those who haven't experienced this before. Because when you're on a psychedelic trip, you basically don't have a way out till it finishes. Whereas with light, uh, at least in my experience of Luminate, it can be stopped basically when the session stops. So you are in full control. Yeah, I think that yeah, right? that's a really important thing for our users as well. And something that as part of creating an accessible altered state of consciousness, we really wanted to focus on. And um, when we did some early customer research or just interviews with people out on the street, one of the big blockers to stop people from engaging with these altered states of consciousness was this fear of loss of control, this worry about yep. it spiraling out and this bad trip concern that a lot of people talk about. So we wanted to create something which was always within the user's control. Um, so at any mm-hmm. point you can move the phone closer to make the experience more intense or move it back to lessen that or if at any point you want to you can simply just turn the phone away and the experience instantly stops um to me although there are some advantages as well with surrendering to the psychedelic experience this offers up a different angle on this and allows people to explore things that maybe they wouldn't be comfortable entering in an experience they know is going to last longer um i think Mm -hmm. just one thing to add to that though is that as I said at the beginning, we definitely don't see the state that we can produce as this fully psychedelic state of consciousness. Um, it has yeah. aspects of that for sure, and some really intriguing and exciting ones for the potential therapeutic value going forwards. Um, but it does sit somewhere more between a deeply meditative state and a psychedelic state. Yeah. Is quieting default mode network the only effect or does it do something else like for instance does it change your brainwave frequency so we are able to through this technology shift your brainwave frequencies quite notably and that's one of the sort of core actions that we're working on and um, in fact the default mode network side of things right now we have some evidence pointing towards it but the research in berlin will really aim to clarify whether mm. that is exactly what's going on or whether there's another piece going on within that Um, Another piece, which, again, I think requires a little explaining, but it's probably worth bringing up, um, is this measure of brain entropy um, or signal complexity. So within psychedelic states and lots of other consciousness-altering states, this very closely ties in with the subjective experience intensity of of what's going on. Um, And it's essentially the amount of chaos or complexity within the signal in the brain. 
Um, I think so this metric was actually originally created to measure as people are being sedated or anesthetized, and it was measured as a reduction from normal waking consciousness. Um, but about mm-hmm. five or so years ago, I think, um, they ran it on a psychedelics group and found that actually it increased, um, so moved significantly mm. in the opposite direction, which was a really interesting finding for this sort of, as the newspapers reported, at a higher state of consciousness, which mm. is slightly questionable on the definition, but it made a good headline. Mm. Um, but we've uh, <laughs> proven through our studies and had these backed up through u- other university studies that through Luminate, you're also increasing this level of signal complexity and this level of entropy. Um, mm. So it's, I guess that's another correlate which goes towards both the subjective psychedelic experience and the neurological one that can be measured. Let me know if I am right because i am thinking about another topic that i've um, researched uh, about brain waves essentially and from what i understand in our normal waking consciousness when we interact with environments and people it's beta wave now uh, when we are a little bit more calmed down and we are just you know lost in thoughts if you want but we are still very much awake it's alpha waves now when we are even more quiet, when we are in between wakefulness and sleep, you know, this state when we are almost asleep, but we are still not, or we are almost awake, but we are not, then it's theta waved. And those are the brain wave frequencies that make us more suggestible, that are used in hypnosis. And that's what I thought is happening on psychedelics. Then from what I know, there is delta wave, which is very quiet when you're basically in a deep sleep. And then there is hama wave, which is actually much more excited than beta. So it's much more fast than in a beta state. However, from the outside, you appear as if you are in a deep trance. So that's, you know, the achievement of true great meditators, so to say. So first of all, is this your worldview of things? And second of all, where does Luminate fall into on this frequency? Yeah, of course. So I would agree with some of, with most of what you said as a generalization. Um, I think it's important to note with it though, that in most states of consciousness, there are all these waves happening at different amounts. Mm. And though these generalizations as to the way someone might be feeling if they are having a high amount of this frequency or that frequency do tend to apply. Um, they are, they are still somewhat generalizations that fit through mm. there. Um, in terms of the frequencies that Luminate is able to create, um, so it comes as a mixture really between the ones which we guide people to and then the ones which form because of the altered state experience. Um, but we typically try and move people from this sort of beta space, as you correctly identified, um, and then shift down anywhere between sort of beta and higher alpha as well. And we'll shift between these and use them as ways to sort of modulate the energy of the experience as it goes through. Um, and we do that alongside the music, which we've had specially written for our experiences. And also, music, oh, well, thank you very much. I, I, I originally, and still a, about half the app's music was actually written by myself as my first ever music oh, wow. production. Um, wow. When we were creating yeah. it, we did not have the budget for a musician. So I said, you know what? 
I've played a bit of guitar. Let me sit down and see if I can do it. Um, and Definitely many did. months later, <laughs> we had a we had a body of music to work with. Um, but yeah, so we try and match the energy of the music and the energy that we want someone to be feeling with the light sequence. But again, mm-hmm. I wouldn't say it's like this perfect one-to-one mapping of like, oh, we we shoot for theta and therefore someone instantly feels this or we shoot for this and someone instantly feels that i would say as you move towards the higher frequency there is a sense of higher energy and more like liveliness and as the lower ones there is more of a sense of restfulness and calm and openness Mm. but it's it's not quite as sort of like neat and one-to-one mapping um yeah yeah and do you know which frequency dominates on psychedelic experience so i think one of the more interesting aspects and the more evidenced aspects in virtually all psychedelic experiences is this actual removal of peak alpha activity and so peak alpha is as you've got your eyes closed and you're in a resting state this is naturally where your brain focuses and virtually everyone has this spike that's typically around 10 to 12 hertz and for different Mm -hmm. people it's in a slightly different place some people actually have two little spikes Um, but yeah it's in that kind of area And when people are in a psychedelic state, particularly a a strong one, this peak alpha activity just completely subsides and removes. um, And that frequency then sort of gets spread out elsewhere. Um, And Mm. that is, again, something that within Luminate we have been able to measure and show. um, But especially in certain people, particularly those who are more absorbed within the experience, there is this removal of peak alpha activity, sometimes to a similar degree as with psychedelic experiences, um, mm-hmm. which right now there isn't a firm grasp as to what this signifies in the brain. There's some belief, again, that it might correlate to the default mode network activity. But again, mm-hmm. that's purely hypothesized and the evidence base behind it isn't rock solid. Um, but that's one of the things that we measured early on and again, because of that hypothesized belief in the default mode network, um, we were fortunate enough to be asked to go and present out to Robin Carhart Harris and his team at Imperial. And we sort of ran them through our thinking around that. And yeah, um, they'd got some evidence that it could, but it could be in line. But again, um, I wouldn't want to make a solid comment on their behalf. Yeah. yeah. Is there any solid evidence from what you already have acquired as to how the light affects the brain? Yeah, so the solid evidence that we've got is we see that with the impulse frequency that we're putting in, we see a huge degree of synchronization to that exact frequency. On top of Mm -hmm. that, we do see this sense of entropy increasing within the brain. So the one that I was talking about before, which is that sort of higher state of consciousness as the papers reported on it. Um, And those have both been reported both by us and by universities separately. Um, So the evidence base Mm -hmm. around those is fairly solid. Entropy means chaos. Entropy means chaos, yeah. Yeah. And then beyond that, there is some evidence that in certain ways there is a higher state state of functional connectivity. Um, Mm -hmm. But yeah. Which is? Um, So that is the extent to which different parts of the brain are communicating with each other. Um, Mm. So So basically hearing this, hearing the colors. Exactly. Um, That would be a a description of sort of thing you might expect a very high degree. But this is one that I would say is significantly weaker than is with a psychedelic experience. Um, I would Mm -hmm. still 
I still strongly believe, and there is evidence from papers that have been put out, that the emotions you're feeling and the music are are leaning into the visual experience and they are cross-pollinating each other. Um, but it's mm-hmm. not quite to the same degree as with all psychedelic experiences. Interesting. Well, so it's clear that you have found it, Luminate, to fuel personal growth and, and to give those opportunities to people. What has brought you on this journey? And uh, I I don't know if there are if there were any interesting experiences that you personally had with your subconscious exploration, could you tell us more about that? Yeah, so I guess from a personal standpoint, I've always been fascinated by these altered states experiences. Um, I've been along to quite a few different breathwork sessions and had experienced yeah, quite a range of different consciousness altering experiences and found them personally incredibly impactful. On top of that, I also knew a lot of people who had been through quite significant experiences. Some people who'd been part of the early um, research groups with Imperial um, and had shared their stories around that. Um, others who may have gone out to the Amazon and, and had their revelations that way. Um, but I was through my personal experiences and hearing the stories of others, pretty aware that this was a really powerful space. Um, on top of that, I'd from very early on been keenly following the work of the teams at Imperial and elsewhere and looking at the research that was coming out within that space. Um, mm-hmm. In terms of what drove me towards the question of fulfillment and inspiration, yeah. um, it's, I guess, a similar but slightly different path where um, myself and Jay were both working at Jaguar Land Rover together on far future concept vehicles. And through this, we so we both were originally mechanical engineers and we went to university together as well. Um, and through this project, looking at far future concept vehicles, we started instead of trying to design technologies or things, nuts, bolts, bridges, all that side of things. We instead tried to understand the sort of human desires that sit within things and then trying to create experiences which would help meet those desires and help people achieve these things. Um, yeah. And that research was fascinating to us and really like drove us and engaged us and yeah we thoroughly enjoyed it but we found that it was very challenging to actually execute fully within a corporate environment um mm-hmm. so at that point we were living together as flatmates and started chatting like if we were to try and tackle something ourselves if we were to try and meet a human desire and create something in off our own backs what would we like to tap into and that's where this idea of trying to inspire people to live more fulfilling lives was born mm-hmm. that's beautiful and it has been four years by now yeah yes yeah, yeah. i think Yeah, I think five years since I left um, Jaguar Land Rover and then me and Jay both had some separate travels, which we were using that time to research as well. So Jay walked Mm -hmm. the length of New Zealand and I drove a van from Canada down to Chile. Um, And while we were going, we were interviewing people. I think Jay would always say, I remember he got a late night voice message, which was an interview I was doing out in the middle of Burning Man with someone about what fulfillment meant to them Um, and various things like that, (laughs) where we were still trying to upskill and prepare for the startup world, but also while seeing a bit of the world and exploring ourselves. That's interesting. Yeah, definitely. I bet you had lots of uh, interesting insights and conversations at Burning Man. What has been your personal favorite way to explore your subconscious mind? Oh, that is a really tough question. 
Um, a personal favorite. It really depends because there are different things that are useful in different ways. I was fortunate enough to go and join one of the retreats that Synthesis were running um, a couple of years ago now. Um, and that was overall the most powerful um, exploration experience I'd had. Um, however, obviously that carries the limitations of the accessibility and things along those lines. Um, so beyond that, I mean, I know it's a shameless bug, but I would say that in everyday home use, Luminate is probably my number one go-to. I used yeah. to meditate a bit more and now that's sort of taken over that practice for me. Um, so <laughs> yeah, um, hopefully that answers that. It gives a bit of breadth to yeah, the answer. Yeah. What yeah, what retreat was that? Was it the psilocybin retreat or yeah, something of that sort? Yeah, it was. Yeah. I wanted to ask you, do you consider yourself spiritual? Oh, that is such a good question. And one that I... <laughs> so I used to be a pretty strong atheist and mm -hmm. really didn't believe in anything along those lines. And as time's gone on, I find myself really flipping backwards and forwards. Half the time I feel mm -hmm. that I'm incredibly evidence-based and want everything done through the science. I mean, the fact that we bought an EEG brain scanning setup as soon as we started thinking about this probably shows that scientific side and that, that yeah, piece yeah. of things. However. I definitely, I guess I would call myself almost spiritually agnostic in a way where I, put, I would probably say I'm more on the science side slightly, but equally I would never be in a position where I would say that there's no chance that this spiritual world exists. And like, mm -hmm. I, yeah, I would say that overall, I probably don't know enough to have a strong enough opinion in a lot of ways. A um, diplomatic answer. Yeah, but I think it's... An, I, I don't know. I feel to it's hard to have confidence in any viewpoint around these things because all of them deal with something so ineffable and something so fundamentally unprovable. Um, yeah, yeah. But I think even if you were to take a scientific standpoint, the only position to hold is we don't know. Um, yeah, yeah. Just because you can't devise an experiment to disprove the existence of any of these spiritual beliefs. And therefore, I think I approach them all with an openness and with a curiosity. Yeah, yeah that makes sense. I think, in my personal opinion, the science, the key limitation of science as we know it is that it's very objective. You know, in order to prove something, we need to conduct experiments so that, you know, in nine out of 10 cases, it's true or false. But there is also a subjective side that cannot be really experimented on. And uh, it's, it gets completely overlooked in, in a way. And in the traditional understanding of science which is you know rational and logical and objective it's almost impossible well it's it's impossible to consider something that is intuitive that you subjectively know or feel from whatever source it's coming so i guess that's that's the big reason why it is almost impossible to have science as we know it to prove something so yeah and especially something so complex as well. Um, it's hard enough to design an experiment to prove out a very simple hypothesis or question, yeah. let alone to yeah, exactly. tap into something so 
such a big question, I guess, um, and yeah. one that's not easily broken down into small pieces. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I guess, yeah, my position is open, curious, um, yeah. and somewhere in between. <laughs> Yeah, it's um, it's like I had a, a guest on my podcast recently, Tom Campbell. I don't know if you know him, but mm. he is a very famous physicist who did lots of research on consciousness. And he has tried to create a theory of everything that includes consciousness as a key ingredient to that. Um, it's very fascinating. But the reason I brought it up is that he always says we have to be in the state of open-minded skepticism. So yes, we need to be open-minded, but we need to be skeptical about what is not our experience. Yeah. Well, Tom, thank you so much for this conversation. Super insightful, super interesting. Is there anything else that you would like to share with our listeners? Um, I would just encourage anyone who's interested to have a play on the Luminate app and let us know how you find it. Um, you can download it free from the App Store or Google Play. Um, and if you want to reach out to us, you can also find our support email details and we'd love to hear from you and hear how your experiences are. If it works for you, if it doesn't work for you, we're always open to hearing about it. So, yeah. Thank you, Tom. I'll put your the details of Luminate into the show notes so that everyone can see them. Okay, thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you. Best of luck on your journey with Luminate and your personal journey of consciousness exploration. Thank you very much. Yeah.